So, uh, good morning everybody. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, the second, a bit of the Beatitudes, called the Beatitudes, which is Jesus' sermon. Um, but I want you to read you these words first. I'm going to read you these words. I want you to see them as well. But I'm going to read you these words. And I'm going to read them at the end of when I've finished speaking as well. And I want you just to try and uh, to think a little bit about what the writer is saying. This is from the book of James. And James writes, Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Realize that you have sinned, and get your hands clean again. Realize that you have been disloyal, and get your hearts made true once more. As you come close to God, you should be deeply sorry. You should be grieved. You should even be in tears. Your laughter will have to become mourning. Your high spirits will have to become heartfelt dejection. You will have to feel very small in the sight of God before he will set you on your feet once more. That's quite serious stuff, isn't it? Let's return to those verses after we've talked a little bit about what Jesus said on that mountain. Uh, And we can read that in in, uh, Matthew when it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, and we did the first one last week, Stephen did this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at this one today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So we're going to be thinking about those words that Jesus said this morning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, whenever you think of mourning, you may just think instantly that you mourn when someone has passed away, when someone has died, and you go through a period of mourning. I remember when my granddad died and my grandma wore black for many, many weeks after the death of her husband because that's how you showed other people that you were mourning. But the mourning that Jesus refers to, many people think, isn't the mourning of mourning when someone passes us away. It's, as John Stott probably summarises it really, really um, succinctly. Uh, it is plain that the context that those here promise comfort are not those who mourn the loss of a loved one, but those who mourn the loss of their innocence, their righteousness, their self-respect. It is not the sorrow of bereavement to which Christ refers but the sorrow of repentance. Now, if, you had, if, if the PowerPoint was working, you would now see a little stall, a picture of a little stall. Um, I don't know if there's anyone... Stop, we've got one spot, I know, for sure, in the audience, uh, in the congregation, so I might be offending the spots here. Are there any more spots? I'm listening. Oh, Rabbi, 
Joseph is, uh, was a very famous uh, poet from Scotland. He was born in Ayrshire in 1759 and is Scotland's national bard and affectionately known as the Ploughman Poet. His verses start, stand as a fitting testament to Scotland's paralleled literary history. He, he wrote things like Old Lang Syne, an address to the Haggis. Do you read the address to the Haggis? When you, get, you do. Oh, I should have brought that. We could have had that. <laughs> now, I don't want to sort of, you know, crush your sort of image of Robbie Burns, but you've actually... And when Robbie Burns uh, had been found out yet again that he'd gone off and, and done this, uh, in the, the church of his day, you were made to stand on this stool in the front of the congregation. So you'd been, he'd been found having yet another affair, and so he had to stand in the front. And it's interesting because stool being three legs, you'd probably have to stand quite still, wouldn't you? Because if he sort of swayed a bit, then three legs, he'd probably fall off. And you were made to stand in front of the congregation to let everybody know that you had done that. And for you, so I'm sorry to, to bring down Robbie Burns, your great poet, but he wasn't actually a great bloke in lots of ways. He was, he was a pretty, pretty, well, he just wasn't great doing that sort of stuff. And um, he would stand in front of the congregation. And he wrote a poem about how he stood... Oh, here we go. Let's see the stool, shall we? Oh, it doesn't work. It's <laughs> can we get the, can we can we flick it onto the stool? Because I want you to see the stool. No? Oh, there we go. Now they say that that's the exact stool. I'm not really sure. It's probably somebody who wants to get an awful lot of money. But they say that is actually the stool that Robbie Burton stood on. You can see a little bit of a picture there, him standing in front of the church. And he wrote a poem, because he liked, wrote lots of poems, he wrote the poem, The Fornicator. How do I know all of this? Well, I was travelling along the other day and listening to Radio 4. It's the sort of thing you get on Radio 4, isn't it? And, and, he, and he, wrote, he wrote this poem, The Fornicator, and I thought, oh, this would be really good for this service, because this would make my point, and I might be able to read them the poem, The Fornicator. I'm sorry, but I can't, because it's a little bit rude. <laughs> Because Robbie Burns actually stood on the stool. The poem's all about how he looked around and saw these women and eyed them up. My next one. So he had no remorse standing on the stool. Had no remorse standing on the stool. Why am I saying this? You might wonder. Um, well, I don't think this is going to work, is it? Can you flip on to the next slide for me? Can we flip on to the next slide? I'm going to give up on this totally if it doesn't. Yes? Technology. It doesn't, doesn't happen to you, Stephen. This. Um, why, are we, why are we thinking about this? Well, we're thinking about this because of the reason why we just said. We're thinking about what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted by God. Next slide. And what I want to do is 
do this? What should we do? What will God do? What should those around us do? And are we ready to laugh? And you might wonder why I put ready to laugh. We'll come to that. What should we do? Let's go on to the next slide, please. And I suppose some of the, that stuff that I read sounded quite serious, didn't it? Because this is quite serious stuff, really. This is about our relationship with Jesus. And the Bible clearly tells us, and Jesus was clearly telling us, that actually we should mourn. And, and the word mourn it is a bit like the word when you mourn for a lost one, when you've lost somebody that you love very, very much. And you're very mournful. You're very, very sad. And what Jesus is saying is we should feel that sort of sadness when we do things that we shouldn't do. When we do things that are wrong. So it's serious stuff. When we think about mourning, we think about repenting. And we know sometimes we, we don't use that word often. Sometimes we repent. But it means actually... I've realised I've done something wrong. And you can see that Jesus in his sermon, in his talk on that mountain, he's talked about humility. He's talked about how actually we need to realise that we're not always great. And actually, he goes on to say that when you realise you're not actually great, you do some things that are wrong. And when you do things that are wrong, you need to mourn. And actual fact, when you mourn, you then need to repent. You need to turn around completely and try again. Turn around completely and try again. And I expect that we're not always great at this. Look what someone's written. I, I found these words, and these words are really serious as well. And I'm going to read them to you, but after I've read them to you, I just want you to stop and think what the author, what the writer is trying to say here. So we can have that next slide on. But instead of killing our sin... We are feeding it. Instead of loathing our sin, we are loving it. Instead of destroying our sin, we are desiring it. The result? We belittle the cross and deceive ourselves. Our need becomes less. And the enormity of Jesus' sacrifice fades. The quickest way to lose the wonder of the gospel is to lose sight of the depth of our sin. Yes, we should be weak. We should be disgusted, shocked, and grieved in the depths of our hearts over our sin. All our sin is treason against God, not just the prideful lying, stealing and lusting sins, but the sins of the tongue, the sins of anxiousness, the sins of bitterness, the sins of partiality, the sins of Grieve over them all. Just have a think. What do you think the writer is trying to say through all of that? You see, I, I, when I read those words, I thought of Mary Whitehouse. Do you remember that? old lady that used to get really, really cross. For some of you, probably before your time, you, you're sort of... It was a long time ago. I, I, knew, I know her from the history books. 
Mary Whitehouse was a Christian. She was a little old lady and she used to get very, very... She wasn't that old, sorry. (laughs) How old was she? When she she got into her prime, how old was she? 60. Young, young. (laughs) Young. Caitlin, 60's young. You've got a long way. What she used to do, she used to get very cross and she used to write to the BBC and everything like that and she used to complain when things like swearing started to happen on the BBC. When things were portrayed on the BBC that she didn't think were right. Now, let's be honest. How many times now do we sit and watch the BBC on the, on, on the radio or watch, hear it on the radio or watch it on the television and the things that perhaps we thought, oof, that's a little bit near the mark, have now become our normality. You would never hear the F word on the television. After nine, it's commonplace. I travel around listening to radio and swearing at two o'clock in the afternoon. I think what the writer is saying here is that in actual fact, whether we do it intentionally or whether we're doing it without realising, we start to not make a big thing about some of the things that are wrong. And we become immune to it. We become numb to it. We just carry on. And if we carry on like that, then we're going to do what he says there or she says there. I think it is. Um, we're never going to be appalled by the things that we do. We're never going to feel mournful for the things that we do because they're just usual. They become part of the norm. As I was looking through my notes this morning, we have the next slide on. Um, the youth um, put this on Instagram. And I thought it was just very fitting as I was looking, reading those words, and it's because actually even if we do do all of those things and I want to make this point then we can turn to God and this verse let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need so let's think we're doing some things that we shouldn't be doing We need to feel mournful that Jesus is saying about that. What will God do in response? Let's have that next slide up. The great thing is, and this is the good news, is that if we are wrong, if we do come to God and say, you know what, God, I feel really rubbish for doing that, then we know, first of all, that God listens. He listens to what we say and what we think. And we know that actually God knows it all anyway before we even start to talk. So, we know that he knows us completely. We knows us. He knows what we have done, what we think, what we say. So honesty with God is always the best thing. And his response is a compassionate response. He wants to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. He, wants to, he carries on loving us. He wants to forgive us. We are mournful. Actually, can we go to the next one, next one first? Oh, no, so I stay on this one. Stay on this one. 
So, I put up here, when is it safe to mourn? And it's safe to mourn to God, because actually we know that whatever we say to God, it's pretty private, isn't it? We're going to pour out our hearts to him, we're going to say to him what we feel and we think. And our 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 relationship with God is a pretty private one. I wonder whether or not we should do some of that each other. James also says in his writing, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's a big jump for us to open our hearts to somebody else. To be honest with somebody else. And you know what? I think the first and important thing is is that there's somebody that's really close to you. That you can do that. It may not be in your family. It may be somebody outside of your family. Hopefully it will be someone inside your family. If you're a parent, you want your child to feel safe to be able to do some of that with you as their mum or their dad. But actually, if we're going to be the person that hears somebody who wants to tell us how they're feeling about what they've done, then we've got to almost mirror what God does. And the first and most important thing is we've got to listen. And we've got to say we're listening. But actually to show people that we're listening to them is really important. Just like God doesn't go around and tell everybody, if somebody feels safe to do some of that mourning with somebody, they've got to know that they treat it confidentially. That you're not going to go to somebody and say, do you know what, I feel really about I need to talk to somebody about it. I want to pray with them about it. Only to find out that it's in the new news sheet for the next month. We need to be able to treat confidentially. And we need to be non judgmental. We don't, we don't judge people, that's up to God. And we need to mirror God's compassion. And I suppose the challenge for me when I was thinking about this is do I do that with my friends? Would my friends come and talk to me about things like that? Would I feel confident to go and talk to my friends about stuff like that? But probably, more importantly, is that there is there somebody in the church family that I can do that with. This, wouldn't that be important? If you wanted to share some of the stuff that's going on in your life, that you're really not proud about, the stuff that you think that you've gone wrong, you would want someone in your church family who you knew listen, who you knew would actually treat what you were saying confidentially, and who you knew wouldn't be judgmental, but would admit And I hope, I hope that our church family can be a place where those sorts of things happen. So finally, let's move on. It is the next slide. You know. Where we've read what Jesus said on that mountain was in the Gospel of Matthew. And there's a reference to it in the 
the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke, it sort of says what we just read in this way. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. That's the strangest thing, isn't it? Because the word blessed means happy. So what we're saying is, if you're happy, if you get really, really sad, and then you'll be happy again. So what does this mean? God blesses you who weep now. In due time, you will laugh. Well, I think what it means is that actually, on the next slide, that if we do all of the stuff that we've said, that we're going to mourn, then actually we feel complete, the complete forgiveness of Jesus. You know, I, I went out and got a picture frame yesterday. And uh, I took it to the bloke down near Hamford's. And uh, it cost £110 for a picture frame, which I thought was quite expensive. It's a beautiful painting that someone spent a long time painting. And I umdenard and I umdenard and I umdenard. It's a present for somebody. And in the end, I brought it. And then I went home and I really wasn't quite sure what to Actually, it's cost £110. So you know what you do, don't you? You sort of say, you know, picture frames are really... I was really surprised. And that picture, it was huge, wasn't it, that picture that I took in? So the picture frame's got to be huge. And eventually, um, I got there. And she said, do you think I was going to complain about that? And I said, no, no. (laughs) But there was a complete sense of relief. One that I'd come out and touched it... And two, that I got that response. Did you laugh? Did I laugh? Yeah. (laughs) She probably won't like the picture frame I've chosen, but that's another thing. And you know what? Um, I I probably did laugh in a hysterical way, yeah. Um, But that's the sort of thing that I think this is getting at. You know, we come to God, we're really sorry for what we've done. God puts it right in such a way that we are happy again, not because we've done it, not because we've messed up, but because God has forgiven us. And he said, you know, I'm forgiving you, now let's, let's start again. So I think when we mourn, like we've said, when we've asked to put things right with God, then we need to start moving on. And what I don't want to do is for you all to go away and think, well, actually, I've got to do a lot of mourning this week. I've got to feel really, really bad about myself all the time. There is a time to do that. But more importantly, there's a time to realise that God's forgiven you and that you need to move on. And we move on as individuals with God. But you know what? We also move on with people that we share with. And they're often the people that can help us to move on. And we move on with each other as a family. You know, if you share those things in this church family, then just like God said, it's dealt with. Let's move on. Let's go to the next bit now. But as a church family, we need to do that as well. I remember I used to work um, in a school as a teacher with a, with a deputy head and uh, she had a brilliant knack of remembering everything I said that was wrong. And then about three months later, 
you say in the staff meeting, and Andrew, do you remember when you said, she would say what I'd said that was wrong? We shouldn't be doing that with each other, should we? If we want a place that is safe where we can mourn the things that we've done wrong with each other and pray about them, we don't want someone then saying to us, ah, but do you remember three years ago what you said or what you did? We need to move on so that we're ready to laugh. Okay, on to the next slide. I want you to read those words again. I'm going to read you those words again from James. You know, James wrote these words to Christians who had sort of stopped doing the stuff that they should be doing. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to encourage them to get back to faithful living. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Realise that you have been disloyal and get your hearts made true once more. As you come close to God, you should be deeply sorry. You should be grieved. You should be even in tears. Your laughter will have to turn to mourning, become mourning. Your high spirits will have to become heartfelt dejection. You will have to feel very small in the sight of God before he will set you on your feet once more. Why do we have to do all of that? Because the price of that was Christ dying for us. The Son of God. Final words from the message that Paul wrote. Because this is a struggle. I struggle with this sort of stuff all the time. Do you know what I've just realised? There's the other flick here, which probably. No, it doesn't do it. Of course it does. So I can flick it. Now, Paul was, a, was one of the, the greatest early Christians that we ever know. Look what he wrote. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. It's not easy. But Jesus is there to help. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, when you uh, sent Jesus, he came to show us the way and uh, he came to say words that we still live by. And Jesus, we thank you for saying what you said. We thank you that you reminded us that actually we should feel really mournful about some of the things that we do wrong. Forgive us if we have become numbed to the sin that we do. Forgive us for the predictable behaviour that we fall into, the things that we do and the say, the things that we watch on the television or read, the things that we know that are wrong, but we, we just keep falling into doing them. Help us. Help us to be truly sorry. Help us to mourn to grieve why we do those things. But help us to get to you and help us to remember that you are a God of love and compassion. And we need to be honest with you and when we are honest with you, you forgive us. And we don't have to keep thinking about what we've done We need to just to move on. To move on with you. As we've just read, God will set you on your feet once more. Help us, Jesus, to set us on our feet once more so we can follow you. And help us to be the right person to be able to listen to others who need to share what's going on in their lives. Help us not to be judgmental. Help us to be compassionate listeners. And Lord, I pray that particularly for our church family, where if we're honest, we all end up doing things that we know we're not proud of, things that we know that we do are wrong. things that sadden us and make us mourn over what we do. Help us to trust each other, to share with each other, to pray with each other, and to walk together with you to a better place. Amen.